So we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans. I'm Norma Jean, and this is Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode number 13, and today we're talking to Awahoshi, who's a crystal sound therapist. She's really a pioneer in terms of crystal sound and sound therapy. She's also one of my favorite people in the universe, and I'm so excited to talk to her and to bring her story to you guys. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer-songwriter. I draw original Daily Doodle cartoons. I have shirts of them. You can see everything on my website, NJ Loves. That's NJ like Norma Jean, loves.com. We've also teamed up with Bali Spirit Festival. So we're offering you a special discount. If you're going to come to Bali, a lot of the guests from the show, including Awahoshi, Nadine McNeil, Levi Banner, are going to be presenting at the festival. It's April 2nd through the 8th. And if you are going to come to Bali, we're hoping it's that extra boost to get you here. So use the code STAYWILD for $40 off the five-day spirit pass or Stay Wild Abundance for $50 off the full enchilada abundance pass. Please share the show with everyone you know and all your friends. It really helps other people find the show. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. You can hear it on SoundCloud as well. So let's get to it. All right, little humans, I'm here today with my friend Awahoshi. Hi, Awahoshi. Hey, Norma Jean. It's so great to be with you. Thanks. Welcome to the podcast. Well, Awahoshi is a crystal sound therapist. She's one of the pioneers of crystal sound, crystal bowls, playing crystal bowl music around the world. And so we're so lucky to have her here. Um, so Awahoshi, tell us a little bit about what you do, what that means. Well, crystal sound is actually the recomposition of an, of the IT industry. Because okay. what they call the crystal bowl is actually a silicon quartz crucible that the IT industry would utilize for the digital growing of silicon wafers. And then in 1986, they began to use the recycled ones that weren't as good enough for growing the tight quality they needed as music instruments, and they called them crystal bowls. Ah, okay. <laughs> what a very fancy name, is it? <laughs> I've had so many bad jokes about crystal bowls. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So are they made from quartz crystal? They are made from electronically fused together crystal sand, silicon quartz sand. So it's very tiny particles okay. and a huge electronic current. The shape is a rubber mold. Filled with silicon quartz crystal. Okay. That's what makes it piezoelectric because it has to be crystal. And then they fuse it together with a very high current of electricity. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. And when did you start? When did you start playing crystal bowls? How did you discover what was happening in terms of them playing them as instruments uh, after after growing silicon wafers in them the, in the tech industry? How did that come about for you? Well, it was kind of unusual. I was uh, working. Uh, on a remote island of Saipan in Micronesia. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Saipan is an island uh, kind of near Guam. That's right. Yeah. Very good. And um, I wrote grants for the education departments, and I had to travel then cross-country. At that, This is pre-Wi-Fi days, so, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pre-internet. Yeah, yeah. Pre-internet. Uh, Pre-internet days. And um, anyway, so it was a long travel to fly from there to where I would have conferences for these grants for 
children. I actually set up language learning labs, bilingual language learning labs for um, kindergarten, first grade, second grade students, and it was in cooperation with IBM, actually. Okay, <laughs> it's called Writing to Read, and so I went, Writing to Read. Yeah, and they were. The program was actually great. It had many learning stations with computers and, and cassette tape players and a library. And the children learned to write by how they heard the sound. And they would keep their indigenous language because in Micronesia there are many different languages. And they would learn English too. So it was how to be able to communicate mm. and feel confident at that early age. So I was doing that. And I was traveling. And the trip was like 17 hours flight. And a medical doctor came up to me and he said, you're one of three people I need to talk to on this trip. Well, you know, it was a long trip. There weren't that many movies those days. <laughs> the one where they had like one movie playing and yeah. they hand out the headphones that you had to rent for like $3. There was no renting at the time. They still gave away things. But, okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was limited. You all watched the same movie, mm. you know. And then the next one eventually came on. Maybe you had three movies a trip like that. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, so yeah, of course, I was going to talk to him. And he said that he wanted to be interesting. We talked about three hours. And, and I sat back and I said, what was the most interesting thing he said? And he told me he heard this most amazing music of Crystal uh, in Colorado. And it took me some time. but And I thought, I'm going to write about that. That really intrigued me. That was like, I wanted to find out because I've studied music since the age of seven. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, music is what gave me the impetus to say, okay, I can stay in this incarnation on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a bit yeah. shocking at first. And um, through music, uh, so I've been playing. I've been on television from, from the age of nine to 13 on a children's talent show, playing the accordion. Yeah, you do play quite well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen you play the accordion a couple of times. I might play it on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little concertina here. And so I really was interested in the sound, and so I wrote him. And I just got one instrument, which most everybody orders, which is for the heart. Mm, the <laughs> heart ball. for the heart chakra. Yeah. And I just got one small one. Mm. And shortly after that, I thought, wow. Being a musician, I started to think, at that time they were selling what they called chakra sets, you know, mm -hmm. so it was seven instruments. Eventually I've evolved into knowing that it's the octave that can be the most transformative for the listener. Mm. But at that time, then I got the rest. And for four years, I began to just play for myself. And, of course, I was working with children. I created a after-school music group uh, for accelerated learning using crystal sound and other Suzuki instruments, not the violins, but the oh. telephones. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah rhythm instruments, drums. Absolutely. And, and so for those of you at home listening, Suzuki is a method of learning music that's quite intense, right? So most people learn it's the Suzuki method, I think, generally applies. You can apply it to most instruments, but I think violin is very popular with the Suzuki method, right? Yeah, well, he was pretty much a genius, Suzuki. I mean, he taught children to play amazing classical music just by listening to it. And it was essential. He would never teach a child the class unless the parent came too and also was doing at the same time the same lesson. So one parent would have to be learning with the child. But it's amazing in talking about how children will teach each other. So this mm. whole thing about children empowering each other, learning by hearing, and becoming an amazing musician. But the other part goes back to another tradition of different, um, I would say, very progressive educational theorists like Orff and Maria Montessori, they all include sound therapy in early childhood education and sound therapy that comes from your soul, from your spirit. Mm. You know, Maria Montessori was much more organized than that, but Orff was 
really so that you allow the child to play. And so I created these ensembles, and they actually gave concerts. And parents were amazed. So, like, children would choose who they would play together with, and they could have crystal sound, they could have rhythm instruments, and then they created their, like, so to speak, jazz ensemble. <laughs> and they'd be, like, five years old. Yeah, I was going to say, how old are these old, kids? Right. You know, and, and all of the goal, also, they had to really listen because they had to really stop together. So they kind of mm. designed patterns and then gave concerts. And, I mean, families were impressed. Yeah. They said they'd never seen their children, many of them sit that still. And, you know, like some of them went on, you know, quite long songs, you know, because they like being on the stage too. <laughs> 15 minutes, okay. <laughs> You're like, I have to get my kid to sit still for 15 minutes. <laughs> but that's how I started. Okay. And then um, when I was invited to come to Bali to run a meditation center here, I was a renunciate with the Brahma Kumaris. For um, twelve years. Brahma what are the Kumari. Brahma Kumaris? It's a it's Brahma Kumaris World Spiritual University. It's a discipline of um, it's part of an, the NGO and United Nations and all that. But it came from India, mm. and um, the founder uh, felt that the world would change through the empowerment of women. Mm. He got in a lot of trouble for India for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually manifested that, and when he passed on, he chose amazing women who maybe had even been with him since childhood because their mothers joined it you mm. know, to get relief from some sort of oppression that was going on in inequity. And it was a very large organization, so I was attracted to the principles of that the divine actually is a point of light, gender-free, and embodies the source point of truth and love and peace and when you have truth love and peace you have beauty so those were the, and they did a lot of world service so mm. i was that in that for 12 years and that's what brought me to bali because they asked me to run a meditation place here called the meditation shop the meditation shop <laughs> for all <laughs> your meditation needs <laughs> yeah okay how long ago was that uh, that was 1992 okay so quite a while ago <laughs> now it's pygmies Design couture French clothing shop. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ubud has definitely changed quite a bit. We're sitting here in Awahoshi's beautiful home, which is actually in the center of Ubud. I don't know very many people that live in the middle of town anymore because Ubud and especially Bali and a lot of places where um, that are, have become really developed with Western tourism, with spiritual tourism, people come in and, and things just kind of explode. I mean, during high season, I won't go into town. <laughs> There's too much traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So that it's amazingly still quiet here by the Waz River. It is, it is. We're a bit off the street. We're literally on the main street of town, and you can hear the beautiful river here flowing right behind the home. It's so beautiful, and there's trees, and we're in this lush tropical garden. So, okay, so you came here in 1992. That's right. Wow. And then so you had started playing crystal bowls. With kids, doing yeah. some therapy in terms of that, like Maria Montessori. And then how did you start playing crystal bowls? How did that become? Acha, that's a good question. Yeah. Norma Jean, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just kind of play. I was still at the time when I came to Bali, still not really doing much with crystal sound. Because mm. one part of like, it was a new chapter. Right. And I was like, it's new. I'm doing meditation now. <laughs> but I was working two days a week teaching computers at the Bali International School, mm -hmm. and then full seven days uh, taking care of this whole responsibility of the meditation center, which taught all classes for free was another thing I really liked about it. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. it's really kind of communal. Yeah. And what yeah. kind of meditation was it? 
It's open-eyed meditation where you you envision the divine as a point of light holding those qualities and that you you resonate with that because that's your true divine quality too. Oh, okay. That's really nice. Okay. Get enlightened. Right. Your okay. eyes open. Okay. Get enli- open your eyes. Get enlightened. Okay. So you were doing that. You were working at Bali International School teaching computers. Yeah. And had, had a the, bit of a tech background as yeah, well. And I had the, cru- the crucibles in my room and I would come and take them out for full moon. I was playing by myself in the rice fields. I had a dome. Sometimes I kept them out in the dome in the okay, rice field. Just for those of us listening at home that aren't sure, what is a crucible? That, so that that's, the real, that's the real name of what everybody for all these years and continues to call crystal bowls or singing bowls. I'd like to keep it in the scientific context. This is a recycled scientific instrument called the silicon quartz crucible. So I'm not going to say bowl. This is something I've been working on for 26 years. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to raise the discipline to understand that the sound therapy is in the forefront now. Sound therapy, yeah. And neuropsychologists are revealing many amazing things to us about the powerful effect of sound therapy. Mm-hmm. And in working, so in that period, in that beginning period, I'm still in a sense doing self-research about it and playing in nature and playing in solitude. And learning. That, that was four years. Well, then all of a sudden they fired the principal at the Bali International School, and he was very progressive. I was teaching at that time where they put one computer in the classroom and all the students used it like a pencil. Great. That yeah. was like very, very progressive. And what was really happening at the moment to let children know that you didn't have to go into a computer room with 50 computers or lucky 10. Yeah. And, and everybody did one thing for 40 minutes and go. So they wanted to have a computer in the classroom, but the thing was the teachers didn't know how to use them. The kids do better. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. was the intermediary to help and write the curriculum for that. Okay. Computers and, but then they fired the principal and a new principal came in and went to the old program and I didn't have a job anymore. Okay. So <laughs> life gave you more time to find something else to do. And so I went to, a psychic medium from Australia. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she said, well, and, you know, here I am wondering, like, because everything of the Raja Yoga, Brahma Kumaris, works on donation. Well, I can tell you that it wasn't a lot of donations coming in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing about, about you know, there's a lot of, like, restaurants and meditation centers, you know, pay what you can. It never quite equates, does it? And, you know, also the, I worked with a lot of, indigenous people from here so mm-hmm. you know it's also a very limited income you know? yeah local people from bali right. generally i mean you know things cost less here and and uh, so she said don't you have something in your room that you could start sharing with people so then i said oh yeah those those crystal instruments <laughs> you know, take yeah. somebody psychic sometimes to guide you on the path <laughs> yeah that's actually come up a couple of times in the podcast you know sometimes it's not it's not that they're giving us divine guidance it's that they're helping us tap into that intuition of what we already know well the true psychic can read your akashic records oh right so it's almost like seeing a movie and what can you explain that for the listener at home (laughs) (laughs) well and then the vedic mysticism which is the ancient religion uh, you couldn't even say religion you could say philosophy Mm -hmm. that came and that's from india from india they talk about the different, you know, the aura. Everybody knows about the aura, kind of. You know, aura. We got aura photographs now. So they talk about the energy that goes outside your physical body. Okay. That some people can see. Now, the Akashic record is the the bank, so to speak, or the big storage room 
that holds everybody's information from past incarnations and mm. a true psychic. Some people specialize in reading the Akashic records of people. All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we know that reincarnation is true. We wouldn't even have the Dalai Lama if, we, if reincarnation is true. I mean, I know many people still don't understand how real that is, that we've experienced many lifetimes. In, but we know that from Tibetan Buddhism, who looks for their lineage leader through astrology, and that that person then, maybe at age three, picks out... Right, picks out the glasses, glasses that they wore in the, the past the life. The teapot, the, you know, Dalai right. Lama asked for the red teacup that they had to go into many storage rooms that wasn't even out because when they select the next Lama, it could be male or female, mm. based on astrology, and they use psychic energy. I mean, the thing is that sometimes in the world, people, we have to activate our psychic energy because everybody is psychic. Yeah. You know? okay. we, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone has that intuition whether they want to listen to it or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you went to see the psychic. She said, hey, what are you doing with these bowls? Don't you have something in your room? You know, she didn't even know what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so then I began playing for one year uh, Crystal Sound as a musician. And I played with a Japanese young man who was also in the same kind of spiritual energy and a German harp player in a Javanese uh, young man. So we designed songs together. We designed patterns. We knew sequences, and we begin to give concerts. Ah. We gave our first concert in Sonor. In Sonor, Bali. Sonor is on the beach here in Bali. It's really beautiful. And then I began playing concerts, of course, because I was in the spiritual organization for meditation events and bigger events for them, and um, doing some sort of kind of unusual things also. And then one day the spiritual organization came to me after 12 years here in Bali and mm. said, after all of that and becoming kind of a public figure, mm. <laughs> they said, now you can go out into the world and play your crystal sound. So they actually demoted me. I no longer could run the, the retreat, the, right. the, the, center. the center, and and a new chapter started. And that's when I um, went... In between that time of concerts, after I did the first year of concerts, many people, I was still at the meditation center, yeah. wanted to hear crystal sound. So I said, okay, I should do something about that. Yeah, because you know? it's, it's, if you've never heard it before, yeah. it's different. Yeah, and I actually am the first person to record the first uh, cassette, It was because there were no CDs in those times mm-hmm. yet, but recorded the first cassette of only featuring the instrument of crystal sound in human voice. Mm. And some of it was recorded live here in Bali. So we, after that, people wanted to listen. So it's interesting because this podcast is about people holding their vision and their mission. And, you know, when I first talked to people what I was going to do, even my friends were like, what? You know? Right. They're like, what do you mean? <laughs> They're like, wait, okay, so you want to you wanna become a crystal ball musician and play around the world. And you were like, yeah, no, that's my thing. You know, and I was like, I think that we have... I'm what we would clairvoyant. There's clairvoyance where you can see things clairvoyantly, clairaudience where you hear things clairvoyant, clairsentience where you know things clairvoyant. I'm more of the seeing things. And I could see myself on a stage playing these instruments. Mm. And so then it went from that. And then when people wanted to listen, I had to think of a way because that would be more private. And I began Mm. to understand that there was something very transformative in this music of crystal Mm. sound. So people came, and I played only for two people at that time, never gr- large groups. Mm-hmm. And because, and I wanted those two people that came to not know each other. Okay. 
because in psychology, the whole thing of privacy. And right, all, right, I, I right, wanted right, two right. people that didn't know each other. And right. at that time, I put them on these little bamboo benches and some principles that I thought would be the best, played 40 minutes, solid harmonics. And I did that for one year, and it was amazing. Hmm. That's when people told me the asthma I have left. Hmm. I've had people go into asthma attacks here, and then in the same session, the asthma attack goes down, and they have to, they can get off of a respirator that they've had maybe for 20 years. Hmm. Now, this is what brought me then into the world. The people told me it was transforming them. I just hmm. thought it was beautiful. It was relaxing. Hmm. It was peaceful. Hmm. And there was a lovely sound. Mm. But it was the listening of these, this one year was like a research project, and, and I began to understand how to work with the sound, how long to play, positioning of things, how to mm. work with the instruments. Mm. Then I understood that actually it could be played for more people than two, eventually, and, you know, I've played now for 500 people laying down, 1,000 people in theaters, and yeah. each person, if you work with crystal sound in the appropriate way, each person can actually get a very unique and powerful experience, catalyzed through their own voice. Absolutely. Okay, so in talking about sound therapy and specifically crystal bowls, what are the benefits? Because you talked about people have, you know, coming in and having these amazing experiences where, like, you know, they don't need their asthma inhaler anymore. So from, like, a biological or more science-y perspective, because you're, you're a very logical person. It's really fun. Crystal bowls, like, what is the science behind that and how it affects our bodies? Yeah. Crystal sound, we are a liquid being. We're mostly liquid. And um, we are actually biocrystalline beings, physiologically. We have in our cerebral spinal fluid, our blood system is crystalline in structure. But medically, they say we're 87 point something percent aqua, water. Right. Mm. And so there's a very high resonance between the element of silicon quartz crystal, mm-hmm. and our biocrystalline body. Okay, so, you mean structurally from a molecular... Physiologically. Okay. Yeah. We have magnetite crystal in our brain. Now, magnetite crystal is the... And so much, it's, it's really good if people are interested in, in biophysics. I'm talking biophysics. This is biophysics research about the crystalline part of our being. Mm. Magnetite crystal is in migrating birds and butterflies, uh, any animal that migrates. But human beings also have it. Ah, okay. Mm. And yeah, they, they they say we know what the bees use it for. You know, we know what the whales are doing. They kind of know. Yeah, they, they kind of know. Yeah. yeah, you know. But what what do you do? humans use it for? But we, you know, what do humans use it for? We're magnetizing things all the time, all the time. Yeah. So the power of our thought framework, the power of then our spoken words create Mm. the vibration in our water body. So when people come to listen to a complete octave of crystal sound, it's free of emotion. Mm. It's an instrument. Now, that instrument, of course, is highly dependent on the player. Yeah. It's very quiet, see, without a player. Right now we have three here. Nobody's hearing anything. Right. Exactly. (laughs) the persona, the lifestyle, the philosophy of the player, I think of any instrument, is extremely important. Do you resonate with that person? Absolutely. It's so interesting because, I mean, as someone who makes music myself, there are people who come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, your your music is incredible. Like I, you know, and they really resonate with it. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And there's other people that are like, yeah, you're okay. But it's so, it's such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how... You know, it, it, it varies from person to person on such extremes. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> cool. So talk a little bit about the, the complete octave in terms of crystal bowls. Because for a lot of people, you know, they're thinking, okay, I'm just going to play an instrument. But what does it mean when you play the entire spectrum and you play that entire octave? Well, let's say somebody has crucibles, silicon cords crucibles, and they have only two. Mm-hmm. Each crucible is usually only one musical note. Okay. So, and I've seen so many groups like this, it almost can make you sick. No, because <laughs> who wants to listen to only one chakra being drilled in with a tone? Right. You know? And like we mentioned in other podcasts, chakras are energy centers within the body. So there's seven of them. We've got base or root chakra, sacral chakra, solar plexus, heart, throat, third eye, and crown chakra. And I think the kundalinis believe there's an eighth one above your head called an aura chakra. So centering on one energy point so in the body. One, if you're only listening to one tone, mm. that one tone may not be good for all the listeners, particularly in a group experience. When a sound therapist of crystal works with an octave, and I do not play how I feel. I don't want to, I want to play a system of harmonic sequences. Okay. Now, can you talk a little bit about what harmonic sequence means for those of us who aren't super musical? (laughs) Well, musically, there are certain basic notes that go together, you know? Yeah. And if you play randomly and you don't understand that system, you can actually bring people out of harmony. Okay. Yeah. And so a harmony, you know, is based C, D, E, F, G, and we know that C and G and E, you know, they go together. They sound nice together. Yeah. B also is part of that. And the, the, what I call the heart harmonic is D and F and A. Okay, so you have different sequences and different chords and notes that you play based on the different energy centers in the body. Um, no, I'm not playing them. I understand the energy centers that the Vedic system talks about. But I'm only presenting, as a player of crystal sound, harmonic sequences. Because if I'm playing for a large group of people... Each person then customizes that through their spoken intentions. That creates the vibration that then is amplified through the octave of crystal sound. Why the octave of crystal sound is important is it follows the scientific finding of physicists. Mm. Well, the most ancient mystic physicist was Pythagoras Mm. and mathematicians. And he was the first to say that from this point on Earth to the planet, it actually created the Lear, the monochrome, mm. and is he actually verified in his mathematical genius. I mean, mm. he created geometry. I never liked it, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he talked about that the world is a harmonic universe, and he created heating circles, and he was... He was kicked out of Greece for this altar. He was a, had a very particular diet, plant-based diet, I think, primarily. And he um, developed healing songs with playing of this lyre. And everybody was going into deep dimensions of peace. And they kicked him out of Greece. And he, his last place of, of living was in Italy and in Sicily. And when I received my exodus from the Raja Yoga Chapter, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when the uh, next door opened, yeah, yeah, and um, a woman came from Paris and she said, "Oh, I have a villa in Sicily. Go ahead, you can go there and live there." So, well, there you go. Yeah. So I went to Sicily, and many, many amazing things happened. Nobody had ever heard crystal sound, and and I got in connection with like the fashion industry and 
had great interviews with Amica magazine, Glamour magazine. So it was really hitting a different, mm. more innovative strand of people and mm. worked with discotheque people. So at one point I was doing indigenous singing, crystal sound, didgeridoo playing uh, in large discotheques and we created natural high spaces. So no smoke, no alcohol in the middle of a discotheque that would be selling alcohol. They had one special chill out room. This started in 1996. Wow. For five years. Okay. So I ended up being in Sicily for 10 years and had a wellness center and all that and learned a lot about healing there, mm. you know, because it's not just, I've not just worked with asthma, but multiple sclerosis, cancer recovery, HIV, to survive with HIV, not to die with HIV. So what I found is that with moving people into a very nutritive plant-based diet, both cooked and living, not cooked, Along with daily crystal sound, mm-hmm. uh, presenting this octave, mm-hmm. because Pythagoras did it in the 15th century, uh, mathematicians begin to say this is the truth, we live in a harmonic universe, and then in 1972, NASA recorded the sound of the universe, it sounds just like an octave of crucibles. Really? Just like that. So they recorded in space? Yeah. Ninth in seventy two in that at time you can still download them recordings of space NASA fantastic we're gonna have that in the show notes yeah and I never knew about it myself but one day I was playing and you know I had then this whole catalyze this thing going to Europe no more renunciate meditating new mm-hmm. life Woo-hoo. I've entered the world yeah. well you know I lived in Asia for eleven years and that. In 24 hours, I'd never been kissed so much in Sicily. <laughs> like, Whoa, what's happening? So, well, it was a new chapter. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, after Italy, you were there for what, 10 years? Yeah, but I still kept my place in Bali. Okay. So, I would come to Bali. At that time, it was nice to come here and teach in August. Mm. I had the wellness center in a, in a place that it was too noisy to be there in the summer. So, I would be here like two times a year for mm. a couple months each time and then. Because you could get two month visas then, and, <laughs> and, and people in Bali—that's an inside joke, but it's true. Yeah, it, things were a little bit less regulated back in the day. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> and, and so I've always had, you know, Bali, and then mm. I've lived at different places. Besides that, now I'm developing a peace portal in Hawaii mm. for about two and a half years. While I had Bali, I lived in a treehouse, four and a half, four story treehouse in Hawaii. So. This movement between Europe and Bali and uh, America, also including South America, I think, you know, of course, crystal sound is amplifying. What is the ask? Why do we use it for the highest technology? We don't have it otherwise. This is an instrument for the highest technology that exists in the universe. And when I first, when the home computer first came out, I was getting my master's degree in instructional technology in San Francisco's day. Okay, and, instructional um, technology. And this is like when the Mac. The first Mac, home okay. Mac, came out. Right, know? yeah, where you kind of had to put it together? Is that No, you didn't have to put it together, but there was a great advertisement. It was this Amazonian one. Oh, the 1984. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very, very famous, it's a very famous commercial. I think it uh, debuted in the Super Bowl, and it had to do with the, was it George Orwell's 1984? Yeah. Which was about the oppression of the world, and so I think they had an East German Olympian come in and... Woman. Like, right, she was a woman. She came in, she ran through this commercial, and she, and she smashed the screen, and it was like, you know, have your own computer. You don't have to belong <laughs> to the man kind of a thing. We'll, we'll have it in the show notes. It's a really iconic advertisement. Yeah. yeah. And I was, at that time, at the university, and we still only had mainframe computer. Mm. So this was a big thing. So the first experience I had on computers was mainframe. 
And I put a foreign, I could program at that time, and I put in the foreign next loop of a mantra because I thought, let's clean these airwaves out. <laughs> because the, up to that point, you know, that technology has only been used by the government right. and, and the military, and both of them have a bit of questionable ethics in contrast to mine. So I put this loop on there. And so oh, there you go. My, my whole kind of belief in how to bring the world back into harmony led me into the world of crystal, mm. you know, because... Crystal, when you shine the sunlight through a, a prismatic crystal, it gives you the rainbow. Well, each of those frequencies of color is a musical note. The sound is the light, and the light is the sound. Mm, absolutely. So I was in, in Aust- so I got going on these world tours and stuff based on people's results. Mm-hmm. So people started inviting me to countries, mm. you know. And also I, at one point when I finally got to Sicily, I decided to make a list of all the countries I wanted to go to. So taking a list and envisioning that list and documenting that list and then connecting with it. So using tools to empower your ability to manifest your dream. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. And postcards and marketing and, you know, how do you conceptualize? Because nobody was working with crystal sound in the way. Right. How do you explain that? (laughs) Yeah. In the early days, people might have one or two. They'd put them on top of people's bodies. And so the whole thing of playing for large groups of people Mm. effectively emerged through a lot of different years of working with the medium, but Mm. also understanding it academically and technologically. What is silicon quartz crucible? Yeah. Now that's what I, why I'm so, it's so important to me because we are, we are really electromagnetic beings. When somebody's sick, they don't shine. Their eyes don't shine. Or if somebody has a fever, they shine even more, you know, and we are electromagnetic beings. And so here's the instrument, the silicon quartz crucible that makes telecommunications possible. Mm. Well, what the real power of it is that when we become telepathic communicators, in the world now of social media, you sometimes feel that way. You think about somebody, boom, you get the message. You know, boom, it pops up on your computer. You just thought yeah. about them. It happens yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. As soon as it's, because it's so interesting. It used to be like, oh, I thought about someone. And then, you know, I get home and there's a message on my machine or, yeah. you know, they sent me a postcard. This was, you know, 80s, early 90s. And now it's so funny. You think about someone and then, boom. Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. or Instagram direct message or, you know, they, or you run into them in the street. You know, it's, it's, it's that same thing just on a technological level. We need to continue to build that telepathic harmonic beings, telepathic peaceful beings, <laughs> telepathic mm. truthful beings, mm. telepathic giving community. We actually, I think people come to Ubud because we feel that that's kind of happening here in different ways. It's happened with the indigenous people for a long time, and I think the people who come from all over the world here feel that also. Mm. There is a synergy that to move into our highest feeling of life is good, Mm. we need to be together. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to take a short break, um, and then when we come back, I want to hear about this peace portal in Hawaii. We're going to hear the bulls of it, and we're going to tell you where you can find Awahoshi and everything that she's up to. All right, stay tuned, listeners. Exciting news, little humans. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I make all my art, music, daily doodle cartoons, which you can see on my website 
NJ Loves. That's NJ like Norma Jean Loves.com. We've also teamed up with Bali Spirit Festival. It's been mentioned a few times on the podcast, and some of the guests are going to present there. Levi Banner, Nadine McNeil, Awahoshi. It's April 2nd through 8th, 2018. And we've teamed up with them to offer you guys a discount to come to Bali and come to Bali Spirit Festival. So hopefully it's that extra little push to get you over here. Use the code STAYWILD for $40 off the five-day spirit pass or Stay Wild Abundance for $50 off the full enchilada abundance pass. So hopefully for those of you that are listening to the podcast and really resonating with the content, with the guests, with the spirit of Bali, it'll help get you here to Bali to meet some of the people that have come on the podcast and really join the spirit of what we're doing. If you do like the podcast, as usual, please subscribe, write us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, share the show with your friends. It's available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and also Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. So, you know, every time you hear a bell, an angel gets its wings. (laughs) And every time you write a review and share the show, other people are able to find it. It moves us up in the rankings. So hopefully in the, in the algorithm. So hopefully. Hopefully um, more people will find the show and can share in all of these amazing stories and journeys and niche expertise. So I hope you're enjoying today's episode and let's get back to it. Hi, everyone. We're back here with Awahoshi. Hi, Awahoshi. Hi, Norma Jean. And we're playing the crystal bowls right now. Can, I'm not sure if you guys can hear them, but they're so beautiful here. And she has two full octaves of sound. so much. Now, for those of us listening at home, how many octaves of of sound was that? Right there, I was actually only playing um, four notes, Okay. I call (laughs) the heart harmonic. So I was playing a D, F, A, and higher C. This is to activate the heart vibration and all the listeners to open the heart. Mmm. Amazing, amazing. So when people come and they hear you play and you do a meditation, do you, pl- you play a lot of different frequencies? The, I play Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do mm-hmm. in the form of the silicon quartz crystal. Okay. And each of the crucibles, which most people call bowls, is a, a specific music note. And when you play these harmonic sequences, the water 
body, the cerebral spinal fluid, becomes aligned to a pure frequency of stone. You're listening to the sound of stone. Mm. But it's a particular stone, it's crystal. So crystal is used to hold the programs, transmit the program, and to send it further than the source point. So these instruments, as I said before, are originally scientific instruments. And when we listen to them, we actually come into the alignment of the harmony that's actually innate on the planet. Mm. The harmony of, the natural harmony of the planet. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, Alhoshi, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you in terms of hearing your music online or of possibly coming and working with you or experiencing um, your crystal sound meditation in person? So I will, I have all my CDs on CD Baby, mm-hmm. and they just have to put in my name, Awahoshi, and they'll find that, and I'll be doing a, a study retreat in Finland at the end of August this year, starting August 17th, and I'm working in Colorado, and I'm on tour, actually, in all of Europe for this summer, mm. and so it's best is to Facebook friend me, Awahoshi Kavan, or send an email the email is a foundation called the Woman Conservancy at mm. gmail.com. And I'm also open to Skype meetings. And I've been on the planet playing Crystal Sound for more than 26 years. Mm. And I believe that the human beings are the ones that are holding the harmony or disharmony. And that this instrument came back on the planet in this form to support us coming as humanity back into a humanity of health mm. and harmony. Amazing. Well, we'll have all those links for you in the show notes. Thanks again, Alhoshi. Thank you, Norma Jean. Great to be with you. All right, little humans, here's today's toast poem. It's a bit unrelated, um, and it's kind of a sexy one that I wrote a while back, but I just thought it's unrelated, but this is kind of fun. So I hope that you enjoy and bear with me here. Here we go. I could lie in bed all day thinking about you. How it would feel if you touched the fleshy parts of my body. The lumps, the scars, the bruises, tattoos to toenails. I'd want you to see all of it. Know all of it. Sweat, touch, skin, breath, feel Move, want, death, life, love. Big thanks to Awahoshi for coming on the show. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed today's toast poems. Today's show is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. You can see all my shenanigans on my website, NJ Loves. That's NJ like Norma Jean, loves.com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, subscribe, share it, share it, and review it. So it helps other people find the show, which is really exciting. And if you are going to come to Bali, we are lucky enough to offer you that that special collaboration with Bali Spirit Festival. So use the code stay wild if you're going to get a regular five pass, five day pass or stay wild abundance if you're going to go for the full abundance pass, which is, I mean, it's the abundant experience. It's pretty great. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the show today and until next time, little humans stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.